Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. If you have your Bibles, you can go to the book of John, John chapter 20. And we'll get there in a little bit, but it'll be a minute. But today I want to approach Easter a little different. I want to look at it from the post-resurrection side. And I want to focus on a certain disciple. And um, I love the disciples. In fact, this message has probably sparked a series that we will follow up with sometimes this year, maybe the summer, maybe the fall, on the 12 apostles of Jesus, the 12 disciples of Jesus. But what I love about the disciples is this, that there is a disciple that each and every one of us can relate to. There is a disciple for every person. Because there are some of us that are like, man, I just don't make the cut. I don't know the songs. I don't know the scripture. And guess what? None of these dudes did either. They didn't know anything when they started. So today I want to look at the disciple Thomas and I want to unpack this word right here, doubt. So if we do a series on the disciples, then we're going to go ahead and knock Thomas out today. And when we format it in our, on our YouTube channel or our podcast, this message will be formatted with that series. Uh, and by the way, if you've not subscribed to our YouTube channel, I really encourage you to do so because I feel like in the next year or so, there some be some cool things happening on there and you'd want to be a part of that. But here's what I know about Thomas is there's a little bit of Thomas in me. And there's a little bit of Thomas in you that we all can relate to the disciple Thomas. We all know if you've been in church circles very long, you know this about Thomas. He has a reputation of being doubting Thomas. Is that right? But can we be can we all be honest at the beginning of this Easter service? And can we all just say every single one of us, including me have doubts. Every one of us. I don't want you to turn here, but I want to reference a scripture in John chapter 11, verse 16, if we have that. Wow, we have that. Amazing. Uh, That's a little punch there, okay? Anyway, um, I I won't talk about this long, but last Easter, I, I talked about the story of Lazarus, and most of us know the story of Lazarus. He was Jesus' friend who died, and Jesus uh, resurrected him from the grave. And as the disciples and Jesus found out that Lazarus was sick, and the family was wanting them to come, and Jesus to come to where they were, Jesus stayed where they were and did not go to where the family was. And Jesus said, I want to go to Judeo. And the disciples were like, if we go there, um, we're going to be stoned. And Thomas, this is the first place we really see Thomas in Scripture. And Thomas is like, we're all going to die, but let's just do it. Do you see the pessimists in Thomas? See, there are optimistic people and then there are pessimistic people. 
The optimist is the person who's happy-go-lucky. The glass is half full. They don't question anything. They don't need coffee in the mornings. They um, don't lock their houses or their cars. They're just happy. The world is is a happy place for the optimist. But then there is the pessimist person. Everybody just stay focused on me. Don't look to your left or your right. Because I promise you, there is a room full of pessimist people in this room today. There is pessimistic people. And I just love pessimistic people. Uh, there are people, they are the kind of people that they don't trust anybody. And they have questions about everything and everyone. The glass is not just half empty. The glass is dirty. And who put their nasty hands on my glass? Do y'all know anybody like that? They don't trust leadership. They don't trust the government. They especially don't trust pastors. I just love these people. And there's some here today. Hello. Like, we're so glad you're here. And they're like, I don't know who this dude is up here. You know, somebody invited me. It's Easter. It's the South. We go to church. I'm here. My wife made me come. And I'm here. And I don't know about this guy. He's good looking. I'll give him that. But, but. You know, but I just don't know about him. He may be one of them prosperity preachers. <laughs> he may just want our money. <laughs> Boy, I could tell you some stuff there, but I won't. But anyway, every week when Pastor Daniel or I give the invitation at the end of the service, uh, most pastors will say these words, every head bowed and every eye closed. But there's always one somebody in the audience that's like, not doing it. Going to keep my eyes open. One of, them, one of them fanatics might try to lay hands on me or something. <laughs> you know, at the end of the service, we may do it today, I don't know, but at the end of a service, you know, a lot of times the pastor will say, you know, you want to respond to the invitation today, you know, signify by lifting your hands. And there's always that person that's watching that they're supposed to have their heads bowed and their eyes closed, but they're always going in, you know, the pastor goes, I see that hand, I see that hand. And, and they're like, I only counted two. And he said five. <laughs> Don't you love the pessimists? And man, there's always pessimistic people. And there are people, and we love you, by the way, that are just not going to follow anybody blindly. And we're all today so pumped, and we're excited, and we're like, he's risen, and we're excited, and the gospel is the good news, and there's always this person that's going, I got questions. I got questions. And there are people that read the Bible, and they go, man, this is amazing. And then there are people that read the Bible and go, you know what? I don't understand anything I just read. I don't know what I'm talking about. And what I think we've done over the last so many decades, and I would, I would say further than that, but I'm just answering for my lifetime. What I think we've done in the church over the last so many decades is we've actually shamed people in the church for having questions. And there's a good possibility that I've been one of them. And so today I want to say, I'm profoundly sorry if I have ever treated you like who are you to have questions. So today I'm very sorry for that. And I want to speak for this church that One Community Church will be a church where it's okay to come with your questions. And it's okay to say, I don't understand. When you have questions, here's the danger in questions. Questions are great and we're going to talk about that today. 
But when you have questions and you're doubting, what tends to happen is you go outside of the household of faith. And when you go outside of the household of faith with your questions, you're actually deconstructing your faith. And what I think churches should do and what churches should be is we should be able to come in here with our questions and with our doubts and actually reconstruct our faith. Amen? And I think that's what church is supposed to be. That it's okay to have questions and it's okay to have doubts. And sometimes in church, we don't make space for people to have doubts. Sometimes we don't make space for people to have questions. And our response is this. If you don't believe like we do, get out. Get out. Come back. Watch this. Come back when you have more faith. But I have a question and my question today is this. Didn't you come here to get some faith? Shouldn't the church be a place of faith? May I submit to you today, if you're reading the Scriptures and you don't have questions, can I just say this in South Arkansas language? My mom will not like it at all, but I'm going to say it anyway. But if you're reading the Scriptures, you're reading the Bible, and you don't have questions, may I submit to you, you ain't reading the Bible. If you're reading the Bible and you don't have questions, then you're not reading the Bible. In fact, do you know how many times that I read the Easter story leading up to today? I started in December all the way to today to prepare an Easter message. I read the Easter story hundreds and hundreds of times. I've been pastoring for 21 years, so you can imagine 21 Easter's, how many times I've read the Easter story. And do you know every time, every year when I get done exhaustively reading the Scripture and the Easter story, every single time I pause and go, I have questions. And at some point, all of us, if we're willing to admit it, we have doubts and we have questions. And today on Easter Sunday 2023 is the day that we give you space for Jesus to help you with your questions and your doubts. Come on, church. Come on. That one community would be that place that we have space and we have grace for your questions. Maybe today you're not a church person or a a person of faith at all. In fact, you're like, I don't know how I even got here, but I'm here. And um, or maybe you're here today and, and you lost your faith somewhere along the way. And I just believe that perhaps today is the day that you get your faith or you get your faith back. Sometimes when we approach a text in the Bible with questions, I actually think that's not a bad thing at all. I think it's actually a good thing if we read the Bible and we have questions. Because here's what I know. The Bible says if you seek Him, you will find Him. So if you read the Bible with questions and you don't do it argumentatively and you do it with the right heart and not to be negative or, or to be controversial... But if you will lean in and you will seek him, the Bible says that you will find him. Can I hear an amen on that? So I must say something to you, though, before we go any further in this message. And that is this, this side of heaven, on this side, we will never fully understand God. And we will never fully understand the scripture, this side of heaven. And I don't think that's a bad thing, because here's why. And you ought to write this down. If we served a God who was small enough to be understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. 
If we served a God who was small enough to be understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. And I actually think it makes the journey more interesting. Yes, sometimes I come across a verse I do not understand. But then there are times I'm reading a verse I don't understand. And at the same time, I'm getting a piece back that I don't understand. Meaning there are times I shouldn't be at peace and I don't understand what is happening to me. But yet there is a peace that is on the inside of me that is undescribable and unexplainable. Have you ever met someone who just got laid off from their job and they're walking out with their box of their belongings and they have a smile on their face and they have a peace and everybody's like, what are you so peaceful about? Why are, you, why are you smiling? And they're like, there's just something on the inside of me. And the reason of that is, is because they realize that that job is not their source, but God is their source. Or maybe you're like me and you've been helping someone who got diagnosed a few weeks ago, uh, about a month or so ago, with stage four cancer. And... When he received the word, and I'm talking about a man that is special to our hearts here at One Community, uh, who is also a family member of mine, a cousin, who was my dad's first cousin. His name was Don Yarbrough. Don, Don went home to be with the Lord right before midnight on, on, good, on good Friday, this past Friday. Don was a part of Emmanuel Baptist for many years and was the maintenance man here at this campus. And then when we purchased the building, Don stayed on uh, to help us and, and was employed here at One Community. And he knew this building so well, every nook and cranny. He knew every size filter. And by the way, there's 50-something air-conditioned units on this building. He knew every screw. He knew every story. He knew every door. He knew everything about it. He was such a, a, a huge part of us understanding this building and the history of this building. But when Don found out that he had cancer or they suspected he had cancer, he called me. And you'd have to know Don. He, he's just funny. He's to the point. Yarbros are to the point. Okay? We just get to the point. And he didn't say, hey, Jason, how's your day? How's it going? Blah, blah, blah. He just, he just called and he said, hey, I think I may have cancer. I'm going to find out. Doctors are going to check me out. And I said, well, listen, I want to know what's going on. Please call me. And so he he did. He found out that he had cancer. It was in his bones. It was all over his body. And they gave him six months to live. And he called me and he said, Jason, this was his words. He said, first thing he said, not, hey, how you doing? How's your day? Nothing. He just said, hey, guess what? I said, what? He said, I'm going to see Jesus. I want that kind of faith. I don't know. I'm a pastor and I don't know. They gave me that news that I could be that excited. And he longed to see Jesus. He longed to be with his heavenly father. And he had such a peace about it. And uh, today I want you to do something for me. One community, his family is here. His daughter is here, Candy, and her family right over here. Would you guys just make them feel welcome and loved right now? Come on, can we give the Yarbrough family a big hand? We love you guys. We love you guys. 
So Don called me, and uh, they'd taken him to Little Rock, and he called me, Candy, I guess it was just a couple weeks ago, and, and he said, uh, he said, Jason, first thing he said, again, not hi, how you doing, how's the weather, nothing, he just said, hey, I said, hey, he said, is there anything you want me to tell your dad? And I said, Don, if you get there first, or if I get there first, I want him to know this. And he said, done. He hung up the phone. And he also called me. He was in Little Rock. They were doing some intensive chemo, and I'm getting kind of the whole thing. Andy would know more of the time schedule than I would. But he said, um, he called me again, and he said, um, hey, Jason, I said, yeah, Don. He said, I get scared sometimes. And I said, I know you do. And he said, I, I get fear, and I, I get a little scared. And, and I said, okay. And, I, and he said, but here, here, listen to me. He said, here's what I do. He said, I pick up my Bible, and I start reading the Scripture. And he started talking about that. And Don was a student of the Bible. In fact, long before he ever got cancer, he would stay up all night long reading his Bible. And he said something to me that day that I never will forget. And it wasn't his word for word, but it was similar. And I just took it and I, I, I wrote down what, what I heard him say in my spirit. And here's what he said. He said, Jason, I was reading something I didn't understand. And I got something that was beyond my understanding. And he said, I can't explain it. But as I was reading the scripture, something happened to me. And he said, I don't understand so much, but I got a peace that's beyond my understanding. Can I tell you on this Easter Sunday that the word of God is alive and it's breathing, and it's active. And the reason is, is because of what happened in that tomb over 2,000 years ago that Jesus came out of that tomb alive. He's alive. He's alive. Amen. Praise you, Lord. And then here we have Doubting Thomas, who everybody says is a pessimist. And you know what? He says, he says, Jesus, the people that you love are in crisis. And Jesus was like, no, we're going to go somewhere else. And, and they, the disciples were like, if we go there, we're going to die. And Thomas was like, let's do it. He was the only disciple brave enough to say, come on, let's do it. He's like, let's ride. Listen, Thomas wasn't ride or die. He's ride and die. He's like, man, let's do it. And I think Thomas's thought process was, I would rather die with Jesus and my doubts and my questions than to die without Jesus and my doubts and my questions. And what I love about Jesus today is you can bring your doubts and questions and Jesus is big enough to help you unpack them. <laughs> Doubting Thomas, as he's referred to as, made the top 12 even with his doubts and his questions. And I think there are people here today, I don't just think it, I know it. I know it. There are people right here in this room and you have shamed yourself for having doubts and questions. But I want you to know Thomas made the top 12 
And if Thomas made the top 12, then what does that tell us? That tells us it's okay to have doubts and questions. So the next time we see our friend Thomas' post-resurrection, they take Jesus to the cross on what now is represented as Good Friday. They drive nails through his hands and through his feet. And of course, they put the crown of thorns on his head. And I was sharing last night at our serve team service that every part that Jesus, everywhere Jesus bled had significance. And the part where they put the crown of thorns on his head and he, he bled, that was for our, our mental psyche that, that Jesus died for our depression and our anxiety and our worries and our fears that he bled there too. And so they do all of this, and all of this has so much symbolism. And then they pierce his side to make sure that he's dead. And then two men, Joseph of Arimathea, and some believe a man who we all know in Scripture is Nicodemus, who are both wealthy men, men of means. They take his body and they place it in a tomb that they had provided. And we all know the story. It's why we're here today. Three days later, he comes out of that tomb alive in a spiritual resurrected body. And now let's pick up the story of our post-resurrected Savior in John chapter 20. If you're there, you want to turn there, you're welcome to. We're going to put it up on the screen. And today I'm going to do something very unusual. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version just because I like some of the verbiage there. So let's read verses 19 and 20, and then we'll skip to verses 24 and 25. Verse 19, on the evening of the day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them and said, oh, it's a word we've used a lot today. What is it, church? Come on, everybody say it in this room. What is it? Peace be with you. Now let's look at verse 20. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now let's skip to verses 24 and 25. Now Thomas, there's our friend Thomas. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands and the marks of the nails and and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hands into his side, Thomas said, I will never. What's that word? I'll never believe. We'll come back to this in just a moment. Some people need evidence. Some people have to see to believe. Sometimes our doubts have doubts, and sometimes we have so many disappointments in life that what actually happens is when we have consecutive disappointments in life, what happens is we train our souls to doubt. And we're all one answered prayer, unanswered prayer away from struggling with doubt and not being able to sleep at night. And sometimes it's not the unanswered prayers that keep us up at night. It's actually the answered prayers that we've prayed that keep us up at night. Sometimes you can be singing the song during worship at church and still have this thing in the back of your mind going, I don't know if he hears me. I don't know if if Jesus really hears me. And what I've discovered in life is through, and again, I'm not trying to preach to you a bunch of theological jargon today. I'm just preaching to you my life, but the things that I have dealt with in my life. But what I learned is losing my dad at a young age in a car accident. It it created this big vacuum in me where I had 
tremendous doubt. And what I know about doubts and questions is when you suffer a loss, doubts and questions will come into your life and into your mind like you've never experienced. How many of you, show of hands, have ever lost a close loved one? Look at the room. Did you know the death rate is 100%? It's 100%. And we've all, every one of us, have struggled with doubts in times like this. I don't want to show of hands, but I want to ask this question, and I want you to be honest in your heart. There's another D word we don't like to talk about, especially in church, but it's called divorce. And divorce will bring doubts and questions. I personally have experienced both of these firsthand. And you talk about a crisis of faith. Oh, my Lord. My faith was never so much questioned than when I was in that crisis. And Lord, are you real? Lord, do you hear me? God, what have you done? I've spent all this time working for you and trying to build your kingdom, and look at what happens to me. If you'd have asked me all those years ago, could my family ever be restored, I would have said you're crazy. But today, and we wish we'd have had pictures. (laughs) But but my family has been 100% restored. Come on, can we give God... The hand for that. (laughs) And in these moments, we go, God, are you really who you say you are? Are you really real? And sometimes we don't have space to doubt, the space to grieve, the space to be disappointed, the space to admit that we have prayers that are unanswered and we don't even want to say it out loud, but Thomas will. And sometimes we have to admit there's a little bit of Thomas in you and there's a little bit of Thomas in me that desperately needs a touch from heaven. And what I love about this story is eight days later, everybody shout out, eight days later. Let's throw up verses 26 through 28 and let's read these verses. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, same words, what are they? Peace be with you. Let's keep reading. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands. Put them on your hand. And then he said, Thomas, place your hands in my side. And he said, do not disbelieve, but believe. Next verse. Thomas answered him and said, my Lord and my God. Know this about our friend Thomas, and by the way, I love that Thomas was in a community group with his doubts and his questions. And his community group had already seen Jesus. They had seen the resurrected Savior, but they waited eight days. And they're telling Thomas, he's back, the band is back together. And Thomas was like, I doubt it. I don't believe he's alive. He was taking no one's word for it. And unfortunately, most people, and I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. Most people, unfortunately, take their their doubts outside of the house of faith instead of inside the house of faith, which is the church. And it's very unfortunate. But can we give people the space and the grace to have questions and have doubts? What I love about Thomas's community group is they gave him the space for that. We don't have to solve his doubts. We just have to be here and let the resurrected Jesus reveal himself to Thomas. 
Hey, Thomas, you know anybody else that can walk through walls and you still don't believe? I mean, Casper the ghost is not here. But Jesus was like, no, 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 no. I will give Thomas all the evidence he needs. And maybe you're here today and you have doubts and I want you to know it's okay. But while we wait, we're going to love you. We're going to love you like Jesus, because what I know about Jesus, if you will lean in and not push him away, and you won't, you won't have an argumentative spirit or a disgruntled type spirit, but if you will lean in with an open heart, here's what I know about my Jesus, is that he will give you all the evidence that you need that he's alive. Eight days later, eight in scripture is the number of new beginnings. Eight is the number of new beginnings. And here's something to consider. It's not what happens in the room, it's who's in the room. And can I tell you, it's not what happens in this room today, it's who's in the room. And Jesus is in this room. By His Spirit, He's in this room today and He's moving. Jesus met Thomas right where He was and He gave him the evidence he needs. And Thomas touched the nail prints in his hands. Thomas touched the pierced side. And here's what he said. It's you. It's Jesus. And I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what your doubts and your questions are. But I promise you, if you won't push him away, that you too are going to have a moment. Like my friend and my family member Don Yarbrough had. And you're going to say, I don't understand but I'm getting back a piece that I don't understand. And you're going to be just like Don and you're going to say, it's Jesus. It's Him. I can honestly say, and this is not preacher jargon. I promise this is not preacher jargon. But I had my moment. I had my crisis. Then I had my moment. I said, it's you. It's you, Jesus. You are alive. And the question this weekend is not, will you give God what he deserves? The question this Easter weekend is, when will you give God what he deserves? Most people will wait until they get their evidence and then lift up a shout of praise. They will wait till they get their job or they get the healing or whatever it is they're asking for, and then they'll do the gritty dance. You know, the the gritty dance was not invented on a football field, it was invented in church. (laughs) I can't do it, by the way. My, My daughter is a professional dancer, no joke. I cannot dance a lick. But you know, it's easy to worship when you get what you want. Man, that that just settled right there. Can we say that again? It's easy to worship God when you get what you want. But what about when you get what you don't want? But Jesus was like, Thomas, there are a group of people that'll be around thousands of years from now in El Dorado, Arkansas on Easter Sunday, 2023, and they don't get to see the nail prints in my hands, and they don't get to touch my pierced side, but they'll believe anyway. If you want to take your faith to a whole new level, worship God after a disappointment. Now we're talking. Now we're getting somewhere. Can you worship 
even after disappointment, even after heartbreak. Hey, Thomas, I pray you get your evidence, but in case you don't worship anyway, because there's a blessing attached to it. I want you to listen to verse 29 as I paraphrase, and I'm going to hurry because I've got to close. I want to go ahead and ask our worship team and Pastor Daniel to begin to come and to play something softly. But verse 29 says this, Jesus after Thomas had touched the nail prints in his hands and he touched the pierced side, Jesus said something to Thomas, and I paraphrase. He said, Thomas, you believed because you've seen. But watch these words. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet believed. What Jesus was saying is there's a blessing attached to your not seeing. But you believe anyway. And there's a word we've been throwing around a lot today, and it's the little word called faith. And so much of everything hinges on that one word. And if you'll lean into that word and you'll believe through disappointment and through struggle and through questions and through doubts, Jesus will meet you. And He'll reveal reveal Himself. The resurrected Savior will reveal Himself to you. The truth is, is... In this room today, really every week, every day of the week, the truth is this. There are people that will always doubt. They'll always doubt. They'll never believe. So some will doubt and some will worship. I want to ask you a question today. Which one are you? Which one are you this Easter? Are you a doubter? Are you a believer? Will you believe in the resurrected Savior? Will you let Him reveal Himself to you? Jesus is big enough for our doubts and questions. And if you brought your doubts today, I want you to know, you may have brought your doubts and you may have brought your questions, but today I brought my faith. And I know there's a group of people here today that have brought their faith. And we just want to help you unpack that. And we just want to, we just want to love on you. There's something powerful that happens in an atmosphere of faith. There's just something powerful that begins to happen. I want you today to do something for me with every head bowed and every eye closed. Seriously, (laughs) nobody looking around, even the pessimists. But today I just want us to do business with the resurrected Savior today. And... uh, I just feel in my spirit that there are people here that have doubts and they have questions and they don't understand a lot of things that's happened. And maybe you're here today and you've experienced a loss in your life. You just need a touch. You just need a touch. Jesus, I I did it. I preached what you told me to preach. Lord, I can only do so much. But now, Lord, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to do the rest in this service today. And I'm asking you to touch your people in a way that only you can do. Reveal yourself to them. Reveal yourself to them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.